Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 308 of Lave Radio, the show that likes to talk about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Commander Phoenix Defia, Chief Archivist of Lave Station, otherwise known as Colin Ford, and joining me in the Orange Sidewinder bar for this episode, we have our Head of Health and Safety, that's Commander Edler Weiss, Ben Mosswoodwood. We are in all the places. All the places. Um, we also have um, our deputy trade attaché, Manda Souverine. What up? And our inhuman resources director, Commander Shan. Hello. Sue, were you, were you auditioning for Choir of the Year just then with your what up? Uh, I, didn't, I wasn't aware that Choir of the Year was a thing. No, it was Joseph in the technical green, dream court. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I almost said the technical cream coat. but <laughs> <laughs> The monochromatic cream coat. Yeah, I'm, I'm going for a much more boring version of Joe, Joseph and the technical dream coat. It's one where you wear a coat, but it's one colour that's a very light beige. And oh, it's amazing I, how quickly we go off on tangents already. So I was, I was going to say, do you see lots of people in white coats then, Souverine? <laughs> <laughs> uh, not, not, not that many, not that many. Since the, since the incident with the biro, I only see one or two, and it's usually when I'm tied down. <laughs> Would you say that coat is almost bread-coloured? Oi, no. <laughs> I'm stopping well, that. It, it I'm that. Red. <laughs> no. Moving on. Moving on, we have to uh, thank um, our tech monkey. Uh, we have to thank our tech monkey, uh, Commander Ventura, who will be hel- helping me try and control this chaos as it, as it unfolds. Um, yep, as usual. Wish, yeah, as usual. Um, if you wish, you can join us live. We are live on Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube all at the same time, and we can see the chat. Um, if you can, if you can get to us, you can get to the, the Twitch chat channel, and you go through laveradio.com slash live. Click on the live chat, or go straight to Twitch TV slash Lave Radio or Lave Radio on Facebook, or like I said, Lave Radio on um, on YouTube. So basically, all your streams are ours. I think that, well, I think that's fantastic, and I didn't is, know all the I, streams are other people's as well. <laughs> Right, um, we'll quickly go round the team uh, very quickly because we have an awful lot to get through. So, Ben, what have you been up to this week? I've actually been up to a hell of a lot. Um, probably the most important thing is I've got a T16000 hot ass joystick, which I love and it's great, And but a lot of people have noticed that the Z-axis on them has a tendency to start drifting and then it's like hey all of a sudden i'm gonna say that i'm in the middle now i'm about 40 degrees to the right now even though you're not touching me i'm now 40 degrees to the left and now i'm all the way to the right again it's really a right pain in the arse um well i went off and dismantled it glued it up wiggled it a bit and touch wood dismantling it and doing all those things seems to put it back together again and it's been behaving perfectly which means i'm no longer swiveling when i'm not meant to be so that's good so I've been how many innuendos can you make out of that little bit then? Well, it's, it's good that he doesn't swivel. Oh, I only swivel when I want to now. He's a strict non-swiveler. No, I can, I, I'm still swiveling just when I want to. I just, no accidental swiveling. Anyway, we're, we're being quick tonight. Uh, we are so being quick. I've also been, 
Um, I've also been rescuing people in Elite Dangerous. I've been sticking the systems back together again with gaffer tape. I picked up um, Beat Hazard 2, which is basically it's like an old-school arcade game, except it's procedurally generated to your music, and it's lots of fun. And my flatmate got me Endless Space 2, which is also lots of fun. I uh, I have that on Game Pass and haven't tried it yet. Um, I'd be up for um, I'd be up for giving that a go if you wanted company. Endless space. Uh, yeah, endless space too. I, I've no idea. I've only played the tutorial. Cool. Uh, and even that, I've not finished yet. <laughs> uh, it seems fun though so far. Hmm. Okay, Steve, what have you been up to this week? Uh, what have I been up to? I have absolutely no idea, as usual. Um, I have been, uh, I have not been selling a, a flat, uh, and therefore I have not been buying a house. Um, I've still been playing uh, Crusader Kings 3, a little group of about six of us have all gone into it together, which has been really fun. Um, and I've been busy, uh, busy marrying off my sisters for, um, for political gain and um, seeing off romantic um how, how many overtures from my uh, immediate family um which has been brilliant it's been really really good can recommend um and that's about it really did you get a yeah, good price for her i'm sorry did you get a good price for her oh some of them yeah 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 like honestly i i've get, get, some of the starting positions you you have extremely little um you're very weak um so all i do is quickly get married um churn out heirs as quickly as i possibly can and then marry them off for strategic gain which seems like a really advantageous strategy for just general life, I think. And this is Subarine, who's saying he's never going to have children. <laughs> I realise why you want kids. Is this why you guys have had kids, so that you can marry them off for tactical allegiances? Well, it's more so they can go off and do mining and things like that for us while we work. Oh, oh Robert. Yeah. <laughs> Shan, how have you been this week? This game. Oh, what? Something wild there. I was meaning we'd use them for mining in, in Elite Dangerous or something like that. Oh, I see. Not working down pets. What, working down pets? I thought you didn't oh, mean pits. No, rubbing down pets. Oh, rubbing down. I thought you had, was sending them down the pits. Why are you rubbing down pets? I have no idea. Rotherham. Yes. <laughs> rubbing down yes. Rotherham pets. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, this week. Yes, yeah, Shan. It's Shan's turn who needs to turn up just a a little bit. Uh, I was too loud last week. <laughs> Give me a second. I'll turn the volume up. Or I'll just keep talking. Turn up as we go. Yeah, this week I have been gardening and doing lots of gardening. I have <laughs> been watching. I have been watching workmen get a digger out and dig up our garden. I've been watching workmen get rid of the concrete and put in flower beds and turfing and ground soil. It's been like an episode of Ground Force, apart from no Charlie Dimmock. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been great watching other people garden all week. So, Sean, do you, do you like having other men trim your bushes for you? Just really. I, thought that was, um, I thought that was Alan, actually. He seems to be into gardening and Strangely enough, apparently he knows the decomposition rate of lots of human body parts. So, including hair. Yeah, if you want to know where people go, then we know who to ask. But yeah, seriously, I've been. I also had the floor done in my office, and that was done simultaneously as a garden. So it's been 
complete chaos here this week, but it's it's settled down now. Excellent. Right. Um, well, quickly, what I've been up to this week. Um, well, due to stuff that we'll probably be talking about later, um, I have decided that my uh, my um, I've dropped everything with my main, and I've concentrated on um, sort of getting the rank of my uh, uh, power play character up to um, Baron so that she can finally afford or finally buy uh, an Imperial Clipper. So, yes, managed to do that this morning. And, uh, yes, I'm well chuffed. I didn't expect this. I thought this character was going to be flying a, a, a very pretty white asp for for the rest of her career, but this time uh, I've now gotten a proper imperial ship to run proper imperial missions for a proper imperial, um, uh, yeah, for a proper imperial uh, power. So Empire. I, a proper I'm, imperial uh, empire. Yes, although as we'll probably discuss later, that might be coming undone quite quickly. So to paraphrase one's honor, she's an imperial girl. Yes, she is an imperial girl. So, uh, let's move on. Now, (laughs) I I have to say, Frontier's timing on what we're all going to talk about, from our point of view, could have been a bit better. Because last week, we were all talking about various products and things, and then the very next day, they start dropping bombshells, and and we missed out on them. So, although to be fair, sorry, talking, Colin, we did invent the the national dish of laid radio now, which is toast and honey. So you can't, you cannot take away the toast and honey. And all of a sudden, I, I am beginning to agree with Dave Lister, and you are all the talky toaster. So I am waiting, just wait until I get my baseball bat out. I'm so serious. Anything, any toast-related products, bread-related products, and I will be bringing out the Nerf bat. Is that understood? You're a waffle man. <sighs> anyway, we have our update. Was the f- there was the first update that came on the Wednesday. Now, um, it gave us a lot of answers to uh, a lot of issues that have been plaguing the forums with a lot of salt being thrown left, right, and center. Um, and the first one we'll, we'll touch on is the VR update. Um, just to give you a, a quick update, as you've probably heard everywhere else, um, VR will be an odyssey, just not all the way through. Um, players will be able to fly down to the planets, fly through the atmospheres, and drive along the planet surfaces in their SRVs, all while remaining in VR. When a player leaves their SRV or ship, uh, those people in VR will be presented with a projected flat screen in their VR headset, so they will be able to continue to play without having to remove the headset. Um, you can, of course, take the headset off and continue playing on your flat screen pancake if you wish, but um, they have now given that option. They have said there is will be no requirement to boot between Horizons and Odyssey in order to continue your journey. And one of the things that they um, they did say is that the Odyssey Planet Tech will be um, implemented all the way through from Elite Dangerous, Horizons, and obviously Odyssey. Now, 
as that piece of news, let's start with everybody's opinion. Ben, what, what do you think? Don't have VR, don't care. That's technically a lie, actually. I'm, I'm very happy for everyone who's got VR. I think it's great. I know a lot of people are really worried that they, for some reason, wouldn't be able to fly their ships and things like that in slightly airy worlds. And I am genuinely glad they can now. Excellent. Um, Sean? So just to clarify that statement, uh, they're saying that when we are walking around, it will look like you're playing a non-VR game in VR. Yes. Okay. Um, You you know how um, you can put a VR helmet on and watch movies and it's like there's a big flat screen in front of your face all the time? It's like that. Yeah. um, To be honest, I think I'd rather just take my headset off. Well, they'll they'll allow you to do that. So, you know, I've looked at games that project the flat screen, you know, and on VR, and I don't know, it's so jarring, I feel myself taking the headset off. Um, I'm going to pass on to the next one, but I I, I can give them full marks for trying with what they've got, you know, to try it. And I'm sure it will make some people happy. But me personally, I don't know, I think I'll just take my headset off. So are you saying that you would have preferred not to have VR in the game at all? Or would you have preferred basically to have this and take the headset off? That's a difficult one. Um, Personally, I'll just take the headset off. I suppose it's always good to have the option, but what I I don't want to do is become a reason for not doing proper VR, if that makes sense. Oh, we've put this in, so we don't need to bother with proper VR now. Yeah. I I hope that isn't the case. Yeah, okay. That has been mentioned elsewhere before, and I think it, knowing Frontier's um, uh, track record, CQC, Powerplay, etc., um, we do know that there there are times when they just leave it if they don't think they're going to get their bang for the buck. Um, Souverine, as a as a as a fan of VR, how do you feel about this? Hallelujah. Uh, I'm really pleased. I think it's excellent. Um, I was absolutely thrilled to read that um, for several reasons. One of which is because I use VR, and my 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 hope for the um, uh, for the on foot part of Elite Dangerous was always very much to give context to the space bit. Elite Dangerous is primarily a game about spaceships, um, and uh, and that doesn't mean that I don't care about space legs, but it's mean but it means that. But it means that I don't expect a fully fledged FPS experience from Elite. What I do, what I, what I was hoping for, and, and what I um, what I've always hoped for is is um, something that makes you feel like your presence in that game world is is more personal than than just a vehicle. Um, and um, uh, and the the fact that I don't have to choose between VR or headset or not to headset anymore in order to get that is brilliant. Um, I am perfectly happy with the implementation. Um, I really, uh, I really don't mind the fact that it'll be a um, a screen projected in a headset. Um, I mean, that actually sounds brilliant. My 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 monitor is only um, twenty seven inch, whereas um, having a, a giant screen in my headset will be like playing on a widescreen, um, which would be fantastic. Um, and um, uh, and actually, you know, if Frontier aren't com- if given that this is an MMO with competitive elements and PvP. Um, I would probably rather have a, the ability to seamlessly use the equivalent of a monitor rather than awkwardly use um, VR when it's 
uh, which would you know which would put you at a disadvantage to people who are playing on monitor. Um, so even I, I, obviously it's not as good as fully fledged um, VR all the way through, but uh, but it's a reasonable compromise. And if it never, given that Frontier don't have brilliant form in uh, iterating on features, uh, if it never evolved from that, I wouldn't be too salty about it. Um, that said, given that, um, I still don't really know why they couldn't have just done what um, No Man's Sky did and stuck it in as is. Um, nobody has ever complained about the, 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 the VR in No Man's Sky is somehow subpar to the rest of the game. Um, it, it's completely fine. Um, I still don't really know what... You, you know, it, 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 Frontier's wording was very much, we feel strongly that until we can do justice to VR in Elite Dangerous, we'd rather just have it on 2D. I think most objective observers who are new to the game would probably say, hold on, mate, randomly switching from a VR experience to a, to a 2D experience is pretty shit. And your VR, your VR implement, implementation would have to be pretty bad to be worse than that. So I, so I am curious as to why Frontier is so, so adamant that they won't just, just do VR and, 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 and put up with the fact that it's, um, that it's not as, not as um, perfectly implemented as the spaceships. Um, the uh, what was the other part of the announcement? Um, Planet Tech on all the planets again, absolutely brilliant. Really, really thrilled to hear this. It makes sense from a from a maintenance of code perspective. If everybody's got the same, if if everybody has the um, the same game running, and some people have access to to um, to to features that they've paid for, um, and keep, you know keep the keep the core game identical across um, across all the users, um, and it will feel like a real upgrade. And a, and um, it will, yeah, it'll be really exciting. I, I can't wait. Oh, that's good. I mean, uh, personally, I'm uh, as a as a VR uh, occasional VR user. This is perfect for me. I mean, um, uh, I don't wear the headset all the time, uh, but I th- I think knowing how much work would have to go into getting the mobility and the the atmosphere right of first person VR, I think this is a good stopgap. I do hold the same reservations as Suv and and Shan because basically. Um, it does, you know, Frontier's track record, not the not the best when it comes to features which aren't mainstream. But, um, yeah, I, I think this is just to be able to fly around those ice planets in VR is something I'm genuinely looking forward to. Now, moving on quickly from there, uh, one bit of downside news that they that came out with this was that they said that um ship interiors will not be included at launch so um just quickly run around and see what everybody's reaction is to that ben can i come in second while i try and get myself out of here without dying please okay Suve. uh wow ben voluntarily coming second that is remarkable um i think it is it's only polite Suve. <laughs> I am stoic about it, to be honest. Um, my my firm preference is obviously for um, for fully realised ship interiors, a la Star Citizen. Um, you know, which is what Frontier said they were going to do, what they said they were building uh, the game to support, um, and what we all um, have been led to believe is coming, and what some of us gave money in um, in uh, on the promise of. Um, however, I also want fully realized procedural life on atmospheric worlds with caves and running water and oceans and all the and vegetation and all the rest of it um you know we can't all have ferraris and ponies um i am relaxed about the potential 
that Frontier views ship interiors as a completely different sphere of gameplay and therefore an entirely different content season. Um, if they were to say, um, if they were, there are three options as far as I see it. Two of them, one of them is great, one of them is acceptable, and one of them is shit. Um, if Frontier were to say in um, in a few weeks' time, actually, do you know what? Ship interiors are never going to be done. We're never doing them. Um, we just, you know, turns out the code's too fiddly. It's too spaghetti-like. The game's the game engine's too old. Surely you understand. I'll be a bit like, well, why the hell did you take my money on the promise of that then? Um, and um, and couldn't you have come cleaner five years ago about that? Uh, but I, but equally, you know, I'd, I'd still be very excited for Odyssey. Um, the the implementation which could potentially work um, as a as a stopgap would be the the X four model whereby the cockpits and the bridges are, f- are fully navigable. You can't really interact with much, but you but you do enter them, which gives you a sense of scale and and, and a sense of um, transition um, with a with an elevator at the back of the cockpit to take you down to the surface. Um, that would be fine. That'd be you know the the cockpit and bridge assets already exist. It wouldn't take too much for them to put that in. Um, it would be. It would be a bit of wasted potential, but a perfectly passable workaround that I would be very, very happy with. Um, I can see them adding that later in the Odyssey season um, if they go down that route. And obviously, my my firm preference and what I really hope will happen will be that they turn around and say, no, ship interiors are massive. We're going to have first-person combat in the ship corridors. We're going to have EVA. We're going to have repairing your ship with um, with blowtorches and stuff, You know, going outside the ship with your jetpack and... and and fixing it we're going to have alien infestations that you need to get rid of we're going to have we're going to have module tweaking and overclocking that you have to do manually in the bowels of your ship um all that stuff you know stowing away on other people's ships taking your taking your friends um around the galaxy with you as, pa- as passengers all the stuff that is um re- that's really excited and, and points to a fully realized implementation of ship interiors um my hope is that they say that's what we're planning it's a massive deal it involves loads and loads of handcrafted assets um, and code fiddliness, um, and that we're doing it uh, as our next big paid content update, which I'd be equally happy with, obviously, because I've got an LEP. Um, but um, but yeah, so so yeah, three three potentials. I, I was to sum up, I was I was stoic because I'm I'm hopeful that they have good news on that front in one flavor or another. I don't. I'm I'm uh, I'm hoping that they uh, that that not at launch doesn't mean never. Excellent. Ben? So, I'm actually alright with this as well. Um, I think one thing that we've got to remember is can you remember who has recently been hired as a is it a product manager or a senior designer or something? Uh, which is Pierce... Is it Jackson? Pierce somebody or other, anyway. And he has a hell of a lot of experience in first-person games. So... Yeah, I, I do genuinely think we're going to get it as part of Odyssey. Um, and I think that Frontier have made hires to enable that gameplay and all that good stuff that we're all looking forward to. Uh, I'm not worried about it. I think we're going to get it, and I think it's going to be awesome. And my God, I sound like such a white knight there, don't I? I'm not saying anything. Um, Shan? I just think they ran out of time. Mm. I think shipping, if you think there are, what, 40 ships now? Yep. And all of them will need shipping interiors unless it's going to look like, you know, a copy-paste of all the others, and then they'll get moaned out of it just being a copy-paste. So it's a big job, and I think being able to walk around the bridge 
and maybe you have your own cabin that you could decorate with various trophies and stuff like that. I think that would be okay. But then people would say, well, where's the bathroom? Where's the showers? Where's the whatever? So I don't know. It did bother me, but it doesn't bother me as much now. Yeah, I mean, I'm very much with um, Souverine on this one. I mean, uh, it's it is a case of it's not going to bother me that much. Um, to you know, uh, and I do feel that perhaps to catch that Neil Armstrong moment and all that that kind of stuff that walking around the bridge, catching a turbo lift down to your exit hatch, and then walking down there out of your exit hatch from there would would capture that atmosphere and. Maybe that's all that needs to be done for Odyssey. I mean, I do feel that the ship interiors, that is, I think that is an Odyssey-sized update when you take into account the 40 or so ships they'd have to do. Ben? Ben, were you wanting my attention, or did you just lean on the keyboard? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, just hit the, I didn't hit the mute button again. Don't forget <laughs> that Odyssey is looking like it's going to be... Even if they're not calling it, essentially another season of updates, probably lasting a good couple of years, if not more. So we might well get Elite Dangerous walking around your ship's Odyssey edition in June or July or something like that, when Frontier have had the time to flesh out all the ship interiors, flesh out the gameplay loops, and make it something awesome. Just because it's not in the release version doesn't mean they were not yeah, going to get it. I, com- I completely agree. Um, and one of the things that um, this, this brings us into uh, a uh, the next point, which was it was noted in the uh, the announcement that while Odyssey will see players explore a wide range of on and off world locations, including and here's the big one station interiors. And then they go on to explain about the ship launches. Now, that station interiors thing got everybody excited. And it was kind of touched on. Uh, well, first of all, it was clarified by uh, Paul Crowther uh, in a post. But then we had the live stream on Thursday with with Arthur and Bruce. And yet again, we had a whole load of things happening. Galnet came back. We got announced that community goals were coming back. There was going to be bonus and seasonal events. There's an ongoing multi-arc narrative extending beyond the launch of Odyssey and into 2022. Multi-arcs um, with a plural. Arcs up. Okay. Um, Multiple stories. And opportunities to reshape corporations and markets and the potential to change the diplomatic landscape of the galaxy as we know it. So... Suv, you must be over the moon about this, because I know I am. Yeah, massively. I, I'm just really, really excited. I mean, this is this is what this is the game that I backed. This is what I want. I, you know, exciting things going on. Um, plans for the future. Some somebody somebody at Frontiers Towers viewing themselves as a storyteller and thinking, right, you know, what what are we going to? Th- this is a living galaxy. Let's make sure we we portray it as such. This is absolutely. Um, the direction that the game should be going with. I think this is the best week that Elite Dangerous has had since, um, uh, probably for me, since uh, since the return, actually. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, the na- narrative arcs, I-, I think it's fantastic. I mean, I, I sort of, it was it was posited like it was a brand new thing. You know, there, there are going to be multiple arcs and it's going to extend for two years and we've, and we've planned it ahead, you know, and, and it was sort of posited like these, these are new developments. For me, that... 
that's the way that the game was designed. You know, when 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 David Braben, when you talk, heard him talk about in in twenty sort of sixteen twenty seventeen, when you when you heard the devs talking about the story and the game developments, it was very much like you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We've got plans. We know what, whatever. You know, you 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 don't necessarily you players can't see what's going on behind the curtain, but trust me, you know, all these things are happening for a reason. The, the story was planned. So I don't think it's so much as, I don't, I don't think the situation is, oh, this is exciting. The devs are doing something new with storytelling. I think it is, I think it is simply that Frontier have returned to the kind of storytelling and the kind of approach to narrative that the game should have had and, and did have in the beginning, which is, we're the game's masters. We've planned this. We know where it's going. You're going to have, there are going to be pivot points where, players will have a degree of collective agency. Um, but broadly, this is a living, breathing galaxy. You are very, very small cogs in that, and uh, we'll be telling some some big stories over the next couple of years, which is completely fantastic. Um, just to follow on some, from something that was has just been mentioned, um, the, the, the thing about um, things being added to Odyssey, the only thing I'd point out is that David Braben has said that he didn't think people liked the... Um, uh, the paying for lots of bits of Horizons in... Um, uh, in increments, and um, and that for future content, he was he was planning on, um, uh, or they were planning on um, making them sort of big one one off, you know, uh, drops of content for um, for for a certain price rather than um, rather than splitting it into four or whatever. Um, just something to bear in mind. Yeah, the, he was he was he was quite adamant about that with uh, towards the end of Horizons, wasn't he? Um, yeah, it's interesting. It, it it didn't strike me. It didn't strike me as a major bone of contention. I don't remember people. I, I don't remember people moaning that they um, that they thought the cadence of releases, or that the um, or that the fact that there was payment up front for for things that were um, things that were delivered late was um, was. I, I, I don't remember that being a, a, a huge bone of contention. But presumably it was. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said that unless there was another reason for it. Yeah, Ben. I think what it was was that. He didn't like the fact that back in 2014, they said, we're going to be releasing this, that, that, and that. These are, you know, these are a bunch of things that are all going to be released in the next year or the next period of time. And then they felt committed to doing that when maybe they might have actually wanted to do two out of the three things and then four other things that weren't even on the roadmap when they said they had these other things to go and do. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. All right. I mean, it it, it does mean that his his stated explanation of because players didn't like it was possibly slightly disingenuous. Um, but I, I I do remember now that I think of it that Horizons ended up being uh, it ended up taking double the amount of time that it was originally stated yeah. stated to. Um, so that could feed into it as well. It could it could simply be we're not willing on we we you know we we think it's ethically unsound to take people's money for something that that we say is going to be delivered over one year and then actually take twenty four months to do it. Colin's also raising a valid point that if Colin doesn't want to say it, I will. That people were complaining about paying £45 and only getting a quarter of that content. Um, Or at least a quarter of that content in a period of time that they felt was appropriate. Yeah, this speaks to something. But, yeah. This, this, as a wider point, I think that there is in the in the era of Kickstarter, I think there is a um, there is an ethical there is an ethical conversation to be had along the lines of how long is acceptable to make people wait for digital products that you've promised them. Um, you know, something that is conspicuously absent from these these promises is is timeframes and um, uh, and 
you know, rather than just not give them. Um, I think, you know, Star Citizen is the obvious example of, of how long is too long. You know, dev, game dev is hard. Okay, well, you know, how long? 50 years? 500 years? Sorry? Let's not make people salty because we mentioned Star Citizen taking, for, taking a long time. Yeah, I mean, it's a massive tangent, so sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm veering us off course. Well, or saying that, just quickly, sort of picking up the, the baton. Um, there are an awful number of games on Steam that were sold as early access, but never actually see the light of day. True. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that, that's... that's that, yeah, I mean, there's a caveat emptor about... Um, about all this stuff, which is, you know, we're all rational adults. If we if we pay money for things and they, they stick a big disclaimer on it saying might differ from, you know, no guarantees might differ from what you're um, from what we're saying now, then it is slightly more fool us. But um, but I do I do feel that back, the early access and Kickstarter particularly is a bit of a regulatory no man's land at the moment. That uh, the industry is still the, the consumers and the and the industry and the press are still adjusting to. Um, yeah, anyway, we, we, we've got we've, we've strayed quite far from our um, from what we were talking about, which is uh, which is which is Galnet and the return of stories to any. Well, danger. that's ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> Shan, I don't think you've opined on this yet. The Galnet thing, um, as always, I, I'm interested in the story, and you know, I really don't think, oh, that's interesting, but I await to see the um, punchline. Poor cast judgment. I mean, well, is it going to lead to another CG? You know, like um, is you know who killed Harold? Was it William or was it somewhere else? You know, it's kind of like who killed I, know, I think. I mean, I mean, it will result in CGs because they said that that's what's going to happen. Um, and and yeah, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying though, will it result in a different type of CG or is it another bucket filling? Uh, I, I think it'll be. I think it'll be bucket filling um uh, you know uh, most most people i think would be would be thrilled at a return to to that format um we definitely had cg fatigue towards the end of um towards the end of two, 2018 i remember but um but i think most people would be pretty happy to to have a little bit of direction injected back into the game and i think from a development time perspective it, we know it takes time, obviously, to put in a CG or a <laughs> Interstellar initiative, but it doesn't. It takes a hell of a lot less time to put in the kind of CGs they've been putting in for the past four years, rather than making brand new ones. You know, they, breaking a brand new, making a brand new template for CG. I don't think we'll see anything like that until Odyssey comes around. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think. Um... I'm personally comfortable with um, with the idea that it's it's more of what we more of the kind of storytelling and the kind of activity that we that we had in 2018 when we didn't know how lucky we were we didn't know how good we had it until um, until Frontier turned the galaxy off at the end of 2019. Do we have a Colin? We do. I mean, I I'm uh, although I'm excited that see. Uh, you know, all this content is coming back because, you know, these story arcs, they, they're, they're going to sound like very much like interstellar uh, initiatives and things like that. But at the moment, I just feel this kind of stuff shouldn't have gone away in the first place. I mean, yeah, I, I to totally agree with that. The only the only slight quibble I had with the announcements in uh, amid my my my. Uh, mind fog of euphoria was a little bit why you know why are you acting like you're being so benevolent this stuff shouldn't have disappeared from a live game in the first place and the other thing was that they said that there's going to be ongoing plot until 2022 um now that says to me if they are still going back to the season model perhaps 
that's going to be the length of the season. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. They did say beyond the length of Odyssey, so that does in, that does indicate that the, the the two things are separate. True. True. Um, yeah. So, but overall, is everybody? Well, I'm pretty glad that Galnet and and the Galaxy seems to be back. Everybody else. I suspect that everybody apart from Pete Wotherspoon's delighted over it. Uh, and Pete's delighted, I guess. But it also means he's suddenly got a shit ton more work to do. Yes, there has been um, some lovely Galnet shorts um, produced by uh, Commander Wotherspoon over the last couple of days. Um, and and they're available, these are really short shorts. Yeah. And they're available for you to buy on his Eatsy store. But be careful, they go right up the crack. <laughs> Uh, and Flossie is happy as well because uh, that means that all her um, CG summaries and Hutton Orbital will be back with a vengeance, hopefully soon. Well, Flossie does like telling us what to do. Yes, well, she she would do. Um, and then there was um, some clarification about what the term organics is meant by. Um, basically, they've they have uh, gone through it and explained that um, as far as they're concerned, organics are mostly uh, plant life or flora. Uh, there will be some fungal or um, chemosynthetic bacterial uh, life in nature. And other parts of this, these organics could be outside any Earth classification system whatsoever. So it does sound like we're getting lots of plants, but no animals. Uh, which, to tell you the truth, is expected if the atmosphere atmospheres are thin. If an atmosphere can't support um, animal life, then it's, it's bound to be thin. Um, again, somebody's asked whether or not the atmospheres will be breathable in Odyssey. When they've 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 said several times over that these are thin atmospheres, you can't breathe it. You have to use a suit, and you have to manage that suit with its air supply in order to survive. Well, and that sounds like very much the beginning of No Man's Sky. Um, and then they've said that, I noticed there were several different suits in the dev diary. Are these available to all commanders? And they've said, yes, there are a couple of designs that will be available to all commanders, regardless of body type. Now, we just chose to show commanders different loadouts. This means, basically, you could have your high G suit here, which would allow you to walk around on a planet which is 4G, without any ill effects. But if you go out there in your normal suit, you're squished. What do you think of that? Sounds a bit gamey in a way, but I guess it makes a degree of sense. Um, so talking about suits, have they said if our suits are going to be damaged, like if we get hit by something, if we die, do we respawn with a damaged suit that then needs repairing? You know, the, the classic they have and low. Any de- other detail other than the fact that there are different types of suits and uh, we'll have to choose one for the right environment. And all that is keeps you alive in these um, atmos- these thin atmospheres is your suit. That's all we've got so far. You think it's something they would do? But um... No. I think your suits, your suits damage. When you die, you go back to 100% suit and it's fine. Yeah. And of course, the the one thing he did ask is, will the suits all have a flashlight? 
And he said, yes, there will be a flashlight for exploration. And there was, I was thinking, well, I don't hang on, we've got, I want, got, I want low, low light mode. Yeah, you, you want the night vision mode, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Far better. Yeah. I mean, in other things, um, Stephen had a go at rescuing people on Monday and failed on his first attempt and then lost a beluga on a second attempt. Uh, and you can really tell by his flying that he's had more than a week off. So, <laughs> no. I, I've been running around my beluga and I don't want to jinx it because I will give Stephen the benefit of the doubt here and say that streaming and landing belugas in spaceports that are exploding around you is hard and getting distracted is bad. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't want to say I'm rocking it, but so far I've been rocking it. Cool. Um, Touch wood. Uh, well, in other news, um, we do know that this week, uh, I do believe we might be getting a sneak peek of the station interiors, which is what we'll touch on later. Uh, a nice bit of uh, live radio rampant speculation. Uh, but um, we also know that the next dev diary is in editing and they will bring it to us as soon as possible. So that's that's possible. Well, what does that mean by editing? Because I can say I'm editing a document and I've just written the in it. I think they must have got further than the. It means they've finished all their footage and they're bringing it all together. Uh, I have specialist knowledge on this. That would be writing, Shan. Um, in, this, <laughs> in this context, what it means is that they've done all the interviews where they get game developers to stand in front of um, in front of screens and say utterly vapid things, um, and um, and then they they haven't yet set it to a soundtrack and cut it all together. There we are. That's the proper definition of editing. We're not interested in proper definitions of thing. We anyway. So. <sighs> Did they give us a uh, no ETA then, no guarantee on when the dev story is going to be out? Um, apart from the soon, usual yeah. soon. As opposed to soon tell. <laughs> yes, Commander Venturus is a bit like slicing up bread. <sighs> Please. Anyway. <laughs> we'll move on to the in-game events. So what has actually been happening in-game this week? Well, as if to emphasize the point, uh, that uh, Arthur and Bruce were making. Um, basically, four Imperial stations exploded. Um, <laughs> and, of course, they are putting out calls for, for uh, commanders to rescue uh, all the poor souls which are trapped on board those stations. Uh, now, it did turn out that everybody thought it was a new Thargoid attack because uh, uh, there was Thargoid uh, muck all over the stations as it, as it ate its way through. But it turned out that this was a terrorist attack which used Thargoid-based technology. Um, it got the Anti-Xeno Initiative um, a little upset because they thought they'd had something to do. Uh, and yes, it, it did cause a lot of problems. Um, on the forums, that's for sure. But I must admit, it, it certainly kick-started an awful lot of uh, discussion on a lot of the discords, especially the Imperial ones, because what's happened here is that the, we now seem to have a new faction that um, doesn't want the Empire as it is anymore. They want a republic, and are prepared to use terrorism in order to, uh, to change this. Other things that have happened is that uh, the mad, 
the old mad imperial prince Harrod Duval, who's the blue princess's father, um, has been assassinated by the same group. And it does seem this is the beginning of a imperial style story arc. So just touching on this for the moment, guys, what's been your reaction to this? I find it interesting and you know, it, it opens up to so many questions. Um, yeah, I mean, I genuinely think the whole reason why we've actually got the Thargoid damage on the station is because Frontier are reusing assets. But we'll put that aside and we'll go over the story. And is it the Empire covering up that they were actually attacked by Thargoids? Has some factions of some factions got in the hands on Imperial weapons? Is this actually is this actually going to turn into a civil war? Is it just going to be a new power play faction going to be added? I wonder. You know, so many things we don't know the answer to. Yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting beginning. Yeah, I will, um, I will say one thing which I found useful is that it's uh, as I said, these um, mich- the missions to rescue people off stations. They're great for grinding Imperial rankings. So if if you want that Imperial Clipper or Imperial Cutter, now's your time to rescue a few imps and and really ramp it up, so to speak. Yep. Um just seeing what am I? I'm still a duke at the moment. I guess I need to go I'll need to go and find somebody to do the rank up mission, wouldn't I, for the next thing? Because I'm at hundred percent. I just need to find someone to go and give me the mission to rank up. Um but yeah, I've been I've been enjoying it. I've always enjoyed these kind of rescue missions anyway. It's a nice, interesting... It's an, it's an interesting scenario. I love the fact that your ships can get pushed around by explosions inside the base. I love the how it almost turns orbuses and things like that into um, like outposts where you're having... You're seeing almost like a traffic control situation where corvettes are saying that they're coming out or belugas are going in and things like that. Yeah, so that that's all stuff I love. Um, obviously, it gets a bit repetitive. I've been mixing up rescuing people with essentially doing Operation Ida stuff. Um, I've not spoken to anyone in Operation Ida, but I'd imagine they're delighted over this. You know, more stations for them to repair. Although they're not to do with Thargoids, or are they, I guess? Because you have to ask, where do they get the tech? Where do they get the gunk the gun from? Exactly. Uh, and is this has Aegis been raided or something like that, or who knows? And do the I column? does yeah does Operation Rider care how a station gets blown up? They just want to fix it. You know, I don't, I don't know if they actually care if it's Thargoid related or not. Um, but I think it's. I, do you have any? I, I'm assuming Shan, Shannon Sooth that you both agree that the whole reason why there's Thargoid assets here is because they're reusing, yeah? Uh, That's the cheeky way of thinking about it, and I do agree it's it's a bit cheeky to reuse assets. However, if the story's compelling, and if the payoff is, is, you know, is good, then who cares? Yeah, no. I think think it's definitely reusing assets, and I I also don't care. Um, I think it could have been... It could have been uh, it could have been defanged uh, by just putting in the in the initial Galnet post they used enzyme missiles or they used enzyme bombs. Like that would have been a very very easy way of defanging it. Um, it I mean it, it obviously is that they're using assets that already exist. Um, 
it doesn't make sense to given given that they uh, most of the team are working on Odyssey. It um, it makes perfect sense that they'd look to make use of assets that they that they already had. I don't think that's a problem. I do think it. I, I do think generally. Uh, devs ought to remember that players pay a great deal of attention to things. Um, oh, you'd have to be blind if you didn't see the Thargoid damage on the station. It's right there in your chuffing face. Yeah, but, you know, it, it goes back to the thing about the, the coffee machine in the crate. You know, I, I sometimes think devs just think, oh, spaceships are great, aren't they? Let's uh, let's put a coffee machine in here. Players are like that. And I, I don't think devs always think, actually, do you know what? Players really give a shit about this stuff and really look hard. I care about the coffee machine in my crate. I just wish that it didn't have mug. I wish no, it didn't. Have- me too. That's the point. I sometimes think that I sometimes think that Frontier don't think that we will pay as much attention to things as we do. Um, it's my yeah. point. Yeah, and I would agree that devs constantly underestimate the things that we will find. For example, flying, finding Frontier towers in an orbit station. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which was you, uh, marvelously. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can completely under. I can completely. The thing is that those are different things. Like the, the frontier towers on an orbit station. That to me is an artist mucking about, thinking, oh, yeah. oh, I'll, "I'll just stick a little Easter egg in." You know, that wouldn't have even. He might have drawn a, a, a smirk from his immediate line manager or something, or, or the person on the deck desk next. If they there. even notice. Yeah, but that's not that's not an oversight. That is just a cheeky little Easter egg. Um, yeah. Something like the something like the enzyme thing is is a is is a case of um, uh, not not thinking that players are be, as beady eyed as we are. Um, on more on a more general note, uh, with regard to the um, the explosions in the storyline, I am uh, I'm really excited by this. Um, sorry, there's a motorbike going past. So I can do it better, really. Um, and um, because it's the first time in the game that I actually think I am going to take the side of the revolutionaries. This is the third or fourth time that Frontier have have seeded, um, have fomented... Um, so, so you're going to be a Marlinist, are you? Yeah, yeah I think so. And um, the reason for that is um, I'm currently reading a book on the history of the Roman Empire, and um, <laughs> it's uh, it's brilliant. And, it, and it's really... The Roman Empire is completely compelling, and it's, 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 um, it's fascinating to see the germs of so many... Like fantasy and science fiction properties in in um, in the history of the Roman Empire, uh, and um, uh, and it is it is notable that the that the Empire in Elite Dangerous was set up um, was was originally envisaged as a as a republic, um, and Marlin Duval um, did not intend for it to be a monarchy, um, and uh, and actually, you know, there, there are there are good there are good solid reasons that it should be a um, uh, that it should be a republic, and uh, if uh, I, d- I didn't agree with Emperor's Dawn because um, because that was opportunistic, and um, and the other one, what was the other one that we had last year or the year before? Remind me. Um, oh, was that the the nephew, the 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 actual Mill bloodline? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just swapping just one. Uh, yeah, that was just swapping one monarch for a for a um, for another one. Yeah, for a more traditional, more retrograde one. Um, which was rubbish. But this, this is actually idealistic. No, this is not what the empire was meant to be. Monarchies are not, um, are not sort of, uh, are not justifiable. Um, and I think I could really get behind that. Um, and I think that this story will, uh, this story will genuinely get a lot of people um, divided and some, some quite thoughtful people on, on both sides, I think, which would be really interesting. I mean, one thing that I would like to say is that when they confirmed that the 
that it was Thargoid based weapons. It kind of shut down a little pet theory that I had, which was the they'd gone and put the explosives next to the tank that holds all the hair dye for the princess. And <laughs> that had caused the. <laughs> I did like that. Um, do you want? Uh, I actually I have to admit, actually, I love Kaizen's take on who Mar- Marlon Duval was. So I- I'm going to quote him here if I can read it. So. Marlon was the brilliant, charismatic, charismatic hippie chick who was sick of all the oppression and corruption by corporations in the Federation. So she set off to Akhenar with a ton of foreigners to make a utopian society. Later, she died in by ac- in hey she died in an accidental murdering by her brother, <laughs> who then declared himself god emperor. Um, mixed all the hippie shit up, made it a strict caste shit. Caste system, not system, uh, including slavery, where he and his many weak spermed offerings, offspring, sorry, could rule the galaxy for a glorious eternity. Precisely, I think. I think there is, like previously, if you if you if you supported Emperor's Dawn, it's because you were because you just wanted PvP, and if you supported um, the other one, um, I can't remember what. It, what oh. it, the one that we're all thinking of, but can't remember the name of, a couple of well, years ago. Well, his second name will be Deval. <laughs> yeah, then then it's because you uh, because you are a um, a, a drawbridge loving nativist. Um, but um, but this is actually this is an ideologically sound alternative to uh, to what is actually a morally questionable regime. Um, even though my 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 commander identifies as an imperial. So yeah, I I'm wonder what Ashling would fall on the lines of because she's she's kind of out there, isn't she? Even though she's a princess. So, uh, what would well, you call morally it, questionable, yeah. though? What would you call morally questionable? Uh, the fact that it's built upon murder, the fact that it is a, uh, the fact that it spent um, a thousand years uh, being um, male preferential primogeniture, um, which is uh, not only, um, which is not only unethical, it's also illogical, um, and um, and the fact that. Um, the fact that it is um, is entirely based on patronage, um, slavery, I think, is a different question. I think that well-regulated slavery in the empire can be pro- can be justifiable potentially. Um, it's certainly, I, I, I think that uh, in the Roman Empire, it was it was not obviously uh, it was not obviously the the most heinous thing or heinous thing that they did. Um, the um, uh, basically, I, I, so far, and you know, it might be that they do. They do. Um, they announce more of their platform, and it might be that more of it is um, is 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 uh, it's dodgier than we think it than, than I've so far assumed it is. But so far, what we know about the Marlinists is that they um, they they want uh, the empire to be a republic, which is uh, which is more meritocratic than it is now um, because it's not currently meritocratic at all, and it's uh, it's also what it was originally envisaged to be. So I think it's quite a laudable aim. Well. It's not just the Empire that's had a little bit of a shake-up at the moment. Um, the the federal investigation into the president's ship's explosion, um, the report has come to its conclusion and has concluded that foul play was involved. Arrests are imminent. Or imminent, rather. Um, or so, even yeah. imminent, yes. Do, 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 do. Yeah. And the problem, it does feel, oh, this is this is... This is the Babylon Five thing that we were we all got all excited about, right? I think it was in year two. So this has suddenly come up. So it's, it, first of all, as an in-game thing, I think this is great. But 
it also shows that they're keeping to the commitment that they're going to have more than one storyline ongoing at the, at the same time, which um, they, they have said they have a dedicated story team to do all this. When everybody heard that, did you feel like, okay, is that the team that really did the fleet carriers and now they've got nothing to do, they've given them the story? No, I did not think that. Well, those are completely speak, different. Yeah. Sure. Souverine and Alan can write stories. Ben can't. <laughs> Colin can do both. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, okay, Colin can do both. Neither very well. You happy now, Colin? Oh, I, was okay. being, I was being nice to you, but, you know. Brutal? There you go. I was, I was being <laughs> modest, but you decided to really just take that spiked I'll boot take it, and shove it, it in. In your neck? Yeah, let's just say in the neck. In the neck. Wow. <laughs> it starts uh, like being nice. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you think to... to any speculation about what's going to happen next on the federal side of things? Could we end up with with a kind of impeachment situation? Well, I'm fairly sure we're going to have some kind of impeachment on Pe- President Trump. I mean, uh, Hudson. <laughs> <laughs> you misspoke there. I did, didn't I? Terrible. No, no, you take that back. You've got to apologise to President Hudson. So, do you think this will end up in a... If you like a voting CG, a bit like a time-limited power play where you fight and you have to deliver, I don't know, propaganda or votes or something. To Why can't it just be a real vote? Why can't that, that, that would be really cool. Some kind of real voting system in-game. Yeah, well, if you think about it, we know that kind of thing is possible because they've done that kind of thing um, during the Salome event. Um, <laughs> The main thing is, it would have only have to be people who have got any kind of federal rank. If you don't have any federal rank, I don't think you should get a vote. Oh, that's exciting. That would be really cool. It's interesting you say about the in-game voting. and uh, it has, It's been a while, so I'm going to mention Guild Wars 2 just to... Uh, hey! drink it again. Um, back, in, back in Guild Wars 2, I think it's in the second year of the game, there were two competing... Um, candidates to run a city called Lion's Arch. And what you did is you did certain quests for each side, and those quests and those events and things earned you a coin, a voting coin. You then had them into an NPC, and at the end of the three weeks, I think it was, whoever had got the most coins now by players ended up ruling Lion's Arch. That's That's cool. That's That's really, really cool. Um, how did it go? What was the salt? And uh, did the devs ever do anything like it again? Um, they didn't do anything like it again because it, you know, Lion's Arch was the really the only place it could it could happen, story and law wise. Uh, the salt, I don't think people minded too much because it was just too much fun collecting the coins and turning them in and doing all the activities around it. I don't think there's anything. Not that I don't remember all the salt with it anyway. Um, the uh, the candidates was a rather rather kind of a um, shady uh, race called Ch- called a char, uh, which is like a, a big cat thing. And um, the person who won was a lady called Ellen Kyle, I think, and she was a rather goody two shoes captain 
of one of the ships there. So it was kind of like a, a scoundrel versus princess kind of role. Excellent. I mean, that is, that is a fantastic. I'd love to see something like that go in. I really would. But, um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see how these two story arcs unfold. Um, there are hints that the CG will start, you know, probably as it usually did. But this will be a CG to upgrade um, stations from outposts to actual full-on or Orbises or Coriolises, depending on, I guess, how much stuff is is um uh is is hold and what's your opinion on the return of these cgs are you looking forward to it uh who is that to anybody you'd like to jump in um, look- sorry Steve. just one final thing on what we we're just talking about interestingly star citizen have a uh an election going on this year for the role of imperator which is the uh the overall head of state of all of human space um so far it is looking like it is looking highly likely that it will be a um, the players will have some kind of um, actually actually no I better I better qualify that I I think that players will be able to have some kind of um, say over what that is I don't know whether that'll be direct voting on the forums or not but um, uh, but potentially um, that you know that there, there is um, there are other space sims conducting similar experiments I guess is my point Oh right well um, I actually got Star Citizen working properly for the first time ever the other day because <laughs> because I've, I've finally upgraded this machine with um, an SSD and a processor upgrade and all the all that kind of stuff that comes with it it actually responded properly so um, nice. I've been walk, I've been walking around the stations for the first time thinking actually this is this looks quite good hey. and then I couldn't couldn't find how to get my ship or where even my ship was so I'm gonna have to start all over again but. Back. I'll add you in game, and we'll go on a little excursion. Um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it, it, having a buddy to help to show you things helps because it uh, it, it currently definitely uh, one of the biggest things it lacks is a is a, a sort of an induction process or a new player ex- new player experience. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, ironically enough, I was showing Mother Spin around um, around Star Citizen the other day as well. Mm. Just... Well, we're going to leave the. Um the frontier led in game events and, and touching a couple of the invent game events you can you can find in the community well after a long and distinguished history the gnosis has been retired um commander with the spoon had a wonderful tribute video done um showing um commander Beetlejude doing some fantastic um art based on the gnosis and um, can uh, say that although they've lost their, um, well, their outdated uh, mega ship now, you can still register for the Canon Challenge, which will involve logging almost every single life form out there that they know of at the moment. And if you go to uh, Canon.Science Codex Canon Challenge Registrations, that's where you'll you can sign up for. Basically, a, a trip around the galaxy. We'll, we 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 won't see you for quite a while. I, I'm not sure about it being, you know, classed as an old, outdated ship because, in, in my mind, mm-hmm. it's like someone t- someone taking away your old but reliable car and giving you a bike. If you see what I mean, it's like it's it's a classic car. You won't no one's want to just take it away and go here you go. It is a bike or something like that. I, I don't know. It seems a bit um, 
Well, the Gnosis itself only can do a 500 light year jump every week. They've now got fleet carriers which can do a 500 light year jump every 15 minutes. Yeah, but that's not, 20 minutes. Yeah, but the fact is, the other fact is though, it, it doesn't need upkeep, does it? Yeah, but once a week. My fleet well, carrier has moved in weeks. The Gnosis itself is actually going on a pre-planned route, kind of um, uh, hitting all its its um, its greatest hits, so to speak. Uh, but as far as it moving anywhere else from that route, no, that's it done. So, I mean, personally, I know, I know that some people in, in Canon aren't happy about it, but I, th- I think really the amount of Canon fleet carriers out there far compensate for, for the loss of the Gnosis. Yes, Ben, we haven't got to the adverts yet. <laughs> I was talking, I was referring to, to Norman, to you, but anyway. Yes. But yeah, anyway, well, talk, talking about fleet carriers and things, I'm... I kind of feel like it's the it's the end of an era. There is that, um, and you know that is a bit of a shame. I probably think that fleet carriers are generally better than what Nosis offered. Um, oh, I, I completely agree with that. Yeah, um, I do understand that all of a sudden they had something special, which has kind of been taken away. Yeah. Um, and I, I saw. I feel sorry for them for the something special that's been taken away. But yes, it's technically an improvement, so I guess we've got to live with it. Yeah. Um, well, moving on from uh, from Canon, um, what with the exploding stations happening, um, Operation Ida or IDA is preparing to mobilize in an effort to repair the damaged Imperial stations. All Operation IDA commanders uh, should be notified that they are staging preparations at Carson Terminal in, right, I'm going to spell this, I'm not going to even attempt to pronounce it, K-E-H-P-E-R-A-N-G-W-E. Now, if anybody else can manage to pronounce that correctly, well done. We'd rather you have a go, Colin. No, no, I'd rather rather listen to uh, bread puns for, for 10 minutes. Oh, that can be arranged. Anyway, moving on from there, just quickly, there was a newsletter. Ben, did you get one? I did. I got my newsletter eventually. First time I've gotten a newsletter since 2018. Hey! Um, And I'm going to give Commander Ace a shout-out on the stream for helping arrange that for me. Um, And it was even a fairly exciting newsletter. Uh, although I can't actually remember what was in it now. But remember, I actually read it and I was glad of it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, if you don't mind, we will take a quick break. And then we'll come back with, uh, well, and it's normally a main discussion, but we're, we're certainly running out of time because there's been so much. But, uh, yeah, back soon. Flossy told you what to do. On the far side of the bubble, on the dark side of an airless moon, on the slightly more interesting side of a ravine, there lived the engineer. The engineer can make your lasers more powerful. Your engines speedier and your gas tank really 
really big. What do you want? I want fish. Wait, what? That's right, fish! Carp, char, chub, jack, loach, crabby, monkabate, prickleback, sole, snook, snake, tang, wahoo, wabagum, banjo, banga, snook, sole, shad, scat, come on by with the long nose cat. Noodlefish, nibblefish, northern squaw, hooma, hooma, nuka, nuka, wappa, wappa. What about Swedish fish? Why the hell not? Thanks, mister. You're in the wrong commercial. Well, shit. Fish, because, you know, space. Are you thinking of suing over Miss Soul Python Protection Insurance? Had an accident in an airlock or slipped in a space station cargo bay and thinking of suing for compensation? Well, don't. I tried to take my ship commander to court for making fertilizer out of my crewmates. Legal fees have left me with nothing, and now I'm hungry. All the time. At Watt and Prittany, we take small print very seriously. We have a massive team of lawyers just waiting to block your case and ramp up your legal costs. I wanted a simple, no-win, no-fee arrangement. My case got blown out of the water by Watt and Brittany, and now I have to rent out my arse for hydrogen fuel. At Watt and Brittany, we have a saying, if you don't want a beating, stay out of our court. I was savaged by a wild creature whilst fixing a vending machine. Can't I claim compensation? No, you can't. Because we have a massive team of lawyers and you're just someone who works for a living. What and Brittany? Don't even think about it. Eddie Lee Wise here. Our family-run business looks after all your sartorial needs. Whether you need something to turn your pink python purple, or you want to wrap your buns up in a nice tight flight suit, Millsburn Ken can sort you right out. He's an expert at inside leg. And my wife, Barb's, is a whiz with a sewing machine. Bespoke tarting for you and your ship. Visit Eddie and Sons, plus me daughters, at Lave Station. Right, sir. Cough, please. <coughs> Lave Radio. Transmitting to every corner of the Station galaxy. Interiors. Hey. Hi, and welcome back. Um, with there is... One thing that we want to touch on before we kind of get spoiled on Thursday, because um, Station Interiors, they announced this week that Station Interiors will be part of Odyssey and um, it will be uh, available to everybody at launch. So we thought, well, what does actually, what do they mean by Station Interiors? Is there any specific places um on a station that you'd like to visit? Is there something that you expect to be there? So, um, first of all, Ben, I'm going to start with you. What would you like to see or what would you want to be able to visit within a station? Honestly, for me, visiting a station is 90% social hub kind of things. Yeah, I want to go to the bar. Uh, I want to go and watch the night elf dancing on the mailbox. Uh, or view that cantina band and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but equally, I also want to negotiate with various traders or various personalities inside the bar, maybe looking for people of ill repute and trying to negotiate a deal or something like that, or at least find some kind of dubious missions, as opposed to 
duh, I want to sell illegal goods. <laughs> you yeah. know, um, I want that kind of thing. Or you could have someone who's going to, I'd like to sell illegal goods, and you say, and then get arrested. <laughs> and then they go, right, you're Nick Sunshine. So. Yep. Uh, also, so thinking about from all the stuff we've done playing EDRPG or Elite Encounters, ninety mm-hmm. percent of that is running around stations. It is. Um, you know, running around stations, hacking computer cores, um, fighting in the corridors, being a spy. Uh, yeah, most of it's actually been doing some form of industrial espionage work, I guess you could say. Um, and, you know, they've taken us to various dubious locations, like the Lave Radio one took us some, to some very dodgy mining pits where we got attacked by rat pigeon things or whatever they were, I can't remember, who went off and ate Jarvis's face and things. Um, and these are all things that could be fabulous environments to engage with. I mean, would you want to actually, you know, when you've docked, yeah, uh, you've flown through the docking bay. Would you want to have actually take a lift up to that docking bay and walk around the various environments? Do you mean would I like to be able to walk around the docking bay, the docking bay area on the planet, and then I have to go to some the kind station. of okay? Or well, so I'm at the station and I I get out. And then I'd get in a lift and go to the bar or something. No, no. What I meant was, you know, when you're you're flying in through the le- through the letterbox, yeah, and you're approaching the landing pad, and they normally have the, these fantastic environments all the way around the docking bay mm. with the yellow lorries and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Some of them have got parks. Some of them have got high tech buildings. Some of them are majorly industrial. Would you want to I, be able to walk around that? I wouldn't say no, but I don't think it's needed. Uh, I think it would be awesome just to be able to sit in the park and watch ships coming in and out. But if I can be in the Elite Dangerous equivalent of 10 Forward, having a drink and listening to the music in the bar, watching ships come in and out as well, that's cool too. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think there's I think something that people... Uh, the, the you know What about gameplay, question mark? There, the, there is a, a tribe who... who ask what about gameplay with regard to everything. Um, and I think that it's reductive um, because there is, uh, there is more to, um, uh, there's more to games than just what about gameplay. Um, lots of things in Elite don't immediately give uh, gameplay and they are just there for realism and immersion. Um, and it doesn't mean they're less valuable. Um, in X4, when you walk around your ships uh, and stations, when you get to an edge, um, you know stations have artificial gravity, so there's no, um, they're not cylinders. But when you when you get to the edge of a a, a, sta- um, uh, a platform, you you just stop. You can't you can't go any further. It's an invisible wall. In Star Citizen, when you get to the edge of a platform on a space station, if you step off, you just float. Um, that is that is an attitude to fidelity and immersion that is really important. There, there is no, you know, in X4, there is no gameplay associated with me stepping off the side of a, a platform and. and either plummeting to my death somewhere or just floating uselessly. Um, but the absence of it and the invisible wall is jarring. And, it, you know, d- don't, don't get too immersed, kids. You know, don't forget that you're in a video game. Like, fuck that. You know, just because there's no gameplay associated with wandering around the, the docking bays and looking at ships coming and going doesn't mean they shouldn't do it. The assets exist already. There's, there is no cost to letting us walk around stuff. And, you know, I mean, Jesus, lots of people do not love... Lots of people don't need endless pew poo, uh, pew, pew, 
pew pew. Lots of people, um, lots of people would actually really quite like to just walk around and watch these huge ships come and go. Uh, the sense of scale would be phenomenal. I, don't, I, I, I think, assuming that it's not difficult to do, I think it would be. Um, I think the attitude that Frontier should take would be, why not, rather than what's the gameplay. Okay, Ben. There is a massive, massive thing here, Suve. That is what the graphics look like when you're three, four hundred meters away traveling in a spaceship, traveling at 100 miles an hour, versus maybe less than two meters away looking at something standing still. The quality of the graphics has to be so much more. Yeah, that, that, that is true. That, that is very true. Um, other games routinely release other games routinely release high resolution patches. Um, I I think it is I think the thing that people need to remember is that Elite Dangerous has, has been a really successful game. Um, you know, all the all the game dev is hard arguments completely ignore the pretty staggering achievements that Frontier have already made. Uh, I, I I completely agree with you. I don't think it's beyond the wit of man to 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 um to sum oh, up that totally and totally agree it's not beyond their capabilities. Just saying it's not just a case of let them walk outside. There's a lot of work that needs to get done to it. Yeah, okay, fair. Yeah, I mean, most of... I mean, Shan, have you got any any place in a station you'd like to visit? Um, yes, the depot where you can drive the yellow lorries around around. <laughs> like yellow lorries are, they are PS2-era assets, aren't they? Have you seen them up close? They've got, like, they're polygons with about five sides. I want a Grand Theft Auto around the docking ring and the yellow lorries. <laughs> they, they remind me very much of a certain Elon Musk's Cybertruck. <laughs> they do. Oh, they really? Do. They don't, they're not triangular, though, are they? They're sort of... They are. They're pretty triangular. Ben? I think that was... Those oh, all right. Exactly. That was that. Can I, can I venture a bit more about Station Interiors? Certainly. Um, I think the... Uh, I think the the biggest thing that I would really like to see is um, bars. I would like to see. Uh, I would. I'd like a, an elevator to take you below the. Um, so, so the way that the way that we've had Coriolis has explained to us is that the the inner cylinder, which is the docking port, is um, is like an airport. But outside of that cylinder, the rest of the um, the rest of the the structure is largely hollow, um, and um, uh, and and presumably you'd have structures on on the inside i'm, I'm taking that from a, a dev diary that david braden made uh six or seven years ago um and um i would love the i'd love to get into a, a glass-walled elevator and take that trip down from the from the docking port at the center to the uh to the extremity of the coriolis and feel the gravity um increase from 0.1 to, to 1g um, and see that see the tremendous scale. It would just just be absolutely phenomenal. But I think um, I think bars is the obvious one. You know, let 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 players get up close and personal with each other's avatars. And um, the uh, there's a game called Deep Rock Galactic, which is like a squad based um, uh, like sort of mining shooting game. Um, and um, there's a bar in the in the central hub bit. There's a bar where you can you can order drinks from a, a little robot bartender. And the drinks give you buffs, and you can do little challenges like kicking barrels through hoops and things. It's really, really good fun. There's there there are things that you could do with a with a bar in a in a video game that where players could meet um, using physics based stuff, um, which would make it lend itself to lots of really like uh, interesting emergent fun. I think. 
Well, they've gone and uh, actually shown some of the concept art, and yeah, it does look as if the you know you'll be able to order stuff from from a bar, or you know, there seems to be plenty of space there for for socialising. Um, I mean, this probably comes from X4 as well. I mean, would you also like, and and in, in particular areas, offices or things which replicate the functionality you've already got in the station menus? Or do you just prefer to have the station menus there and not having to, and not walking around and doing trading on foot, so to speak? I, I don't think there's much benefit to, um, I don't think there's much benefit to, to taking, I, I, I certainly don't think want, want things taken away from the station, station services menu. With the, with the uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't saying that. It, it was duplicate. Yeah, so, okay. yeah, all right. Dupl- I, don't, I don't see much point in that. If they wanted to spend dev resources on that, I wouldn't mind because anything for immersion. Um, but I don't think it's necessary. What, what I would like uh, to see um, is, and this is, that does feed into your point, is um, the things that relate to Odyssey specific content so for example shops that sell sidearms or um shops that sell clothing for your avatar i don't want to access that stuff from the station services menu i, de- I definitely do not want that that those yeah. things i think it would be justifiable to have them as a short walk from your from your ship so are replacing the hollow me if you've got odyssey with a walk to the shops uh yeah yeah i i, I don't think that would be i don't i don't i mean the, mm, that, that's a tricky one because you've got what would people who are miles out in the black do um, I don't necessarily. That wasn't what I was thinking of. I was thinking more like, you know, if you if you want to buy a new outfit, mm-hmm. you do that. You do that in a store, in a station, for example. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is going to sound so bizarre. You know what I would want in the bar? Uh, obviously, a pool table. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you have to have a pool table. But I also would like an arcade console in the corner, and that arcade. Oh, console- yes. <laughs> Would link to CQC and play the original Elite. Well, you could you could have it that way, but I I would prefer to have it. That's where you can actually join a CQC match from. Yeah, and when smart. the CQC really match good. finishes, then basically you're you're placed back to where you were instead of having to go through all the menus. That'd be really cool. Brilliant. I mean that 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 for me that that I know it's a, a silly little request, but I just think that would finally tie CQC into the game in a meaningful way. In a, in a perfectly law-friendly way as well. The other, yeah. thing I'd, the other thing I'd really like to see in station interiors as well as um, shops for weapons. I think, I think shops for personal weapons is the, is the obvious one and bars is the, is the other one. But as well as those two, I would really like to see, um, and this is the only thing that I would advocate I want to take um, away from the, uh, the station services menu. Um, the other thing I'd like to see in station interiors is... Um, Black markets and interstellar factors. I think it's really weird that you that you access the black market through an official portal with two <laughs> or three clicks. I, yeah. I would like I, I would like the station services menu to remain unchanged, except for anything illegal. I think interstellar factors should be a contact, a shady contact that you go and visit in the station uh, interior. Um, the black market should be somewhere that you go, like a if anybody plays Star Citizen, maybe somebody like Wallace Klim in, um, you know, you, you, you go into the bowels of the station and you find some shady contact behind a counter in, in what looks like a drug den or, or, or like a, an innocent-looking mobile phone shop or something like that. that I, 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 I really important exports. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But I, I think that would, it would add an element to, um, to illegal gameplay and make it a bit more immersive and more plausible. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, is there, is there um, anything that uh, you think station, uh, you know, gameplay-wise could be useful for um, for station interiors? It, you know, some kind of PvP area or defending not a station PvP against a pirate? Area, why not mission types where, dear Colin, we want you to go and get this memory stick from, or want to go you to go and hack into the computer in Lave Station, steal mm. some data for us, and return it to us over here in DSO. Yeah, but I, I, would, I would never steal from from Lave Station. Well, oh, okay, <laughs> you can even steal from from Snuffleport then, or something, or Snuffleport, <laughs> Birmingham World. <laughs> oh, okay, you can you can go there if you want. <laughs> no, thank you. If you want to go there, you can. No. Uh, but yeah, I, I, so I don't that see that. why. I think that kind of gameplay would be great, uh, and that would obviously. I'd like to see that both on both on large scale spaceports and outposts, though. Yeah. Oh, not outposts, yeah. but settlements. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, and I would love if you get. I'd love some element of stealth, I guess. So you know, if I get caught stealing data, then there's some kind of police response, or, or just not. the muscle, the local muscle yeah. coming and yeah. smash you up. And yeah, I have to okay. evade that, and or I have to shoot my way out. You know, I can do either. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love all, that kind of thing. I think would be awesome. Um, obviously, then you you've got same idea, but you know some kind of you know, data hacking, or you know you're doing something to basically corrupt the station and break things somehow. Um, but the gameplay would essentially be the same, wouldn't it? It would be go here, do this, may or may be, may or may not do a mini game. More likely, point something and shoot it, just like we do with our data scanner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then get back. Um, obviously, some kind of bug hunting thing. I think that's already been hinted at. Well, that was um, only in the leak, wasn't it? So yeah, we found but that leak to be some, some kind of some kind of combat would be fun. Mm. Uh, for thing is this stuff can be additive. You know, if, yep. there's a, if there's a mission to smuggle a, a USB stick to a given person, that doesn't need to. That doesn't need to. Um, to replace the data courier missions, no, it could be, it could be an extra mission type. Oh, exactly, <laughs> it would be as well. I think it should be. Yeah, I tell you uh, one thing that they'll do. They will need. They'll need a laser tag next to the bar so you can practice all your. Oh, oh that, yes, yes, yes. Totally agree with that. Yeah, some kind of laser tag in VR in a VR kit. You know, you go in <laughs> and you've got the equivalent of you've got like an Oculus Rift sitting there, and you're running around an Oculus Rift. Shooting people. <laughs> again, within a game, within a game. And just to rub salt in the wound, you can play that 3D. <laughs> oh, 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 no. Uh. <laughs> when, it comes to, um, when it comes to things that I'd like to see in stationary interiors, there's something that I haven't heard people talk about, which is um, the degree to which station interiors can add depth to the... Uh, the the BGS and the um, uh, well, you know the sort of the proc gen uh, nature of the game. So at the moment, for example, if you if you flip a system from federal to imperial, mm-hmm. or from independent to alliance, what you see is the station the the lights on the outside of the station turn a different color. The music inside the station changes. 
and the accent of the um, of the person that greets you changes, and some of the goods uh, in the menu, um, uh, sorry, in the market, uh, either become available or become unavailable. Yeah. Um, those, those things are great, and I think that people discount them um, unfairly. But it is easy to reduce those to ah, well, you know, the BGS doesn't mean anything, and from the from the perspective of the of the casual player. You know, flipping a station from flipping a system from Empire to, to Federation affects them not at all. Um, station inter- interiors have the potential to really change that. For example, you make a few models of S- space station police person. Um, you make a federal va- a few models of fer- federal variants, a few models of independent variants, a few models of imperial variants, variants, and a few models of um, anarchy or criminal variants. Um, when you flip a station, when you flip a system or a station going into that station and walking around should generate a very very different atmosphere you should you should hear snippets of conversation from npcs in in the accent of that superpower you should see you know if you flip a if 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 a system is flipped to empire people in the state visitors to the station should start seeing people in flowing imperial robes walking past um you know there is the potential here for people for for the BGS to have a lot of life breathed into it and for the game the game's sort of meta layers to begin to feel a lot more impactful on the casual experience of 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 players i mean one thing that did occur to me though was that um the the station interior might be a bit restricted because the the, the stations themselves are absolutely massive they might just restrict all the commanders to a certain area just to say because of, oh, I don't know, um, you know, to stop any infections or, you know, diseases being yeah. spread. So we might have only have a limited playing area. I mean, is that going to be a deal breaker or is it, do you just basically want to fly around the ring in, in one of those little speeder things? Ben? I want to fly around the ring in one of those little speeder things. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, I pers- but I actually think it makes a lot of sense, both from a law perspective and from a development perspective, that actually we can only play on certain bits of things. Mm. Um, otherwise, you know, was it Frontier went off and se- or someone's gone off and worked out that you know, the amount of space in just one ring is larger than the entire Grand Theft Auto map or something ridiculous? Yes, yeah, it, you know, it was. And, having uh, that times a billion. It's a little bit, little bit of content to do. Yeah, that, um, well, that's the problem. It's, it's such a big ask. I mean, I mean, you can do it with uh, procedural generation, but the main problem with that is, is that, well, it will kind of feel samey after a while. Yeah, yeah but st- stations arguably feel samey. I, I, I don't know. I, I reject stations that. Arguably, I mean, I would say. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I've, I've never. Shan, you've got military military things, but does one. I don't know. Does one carrier on a ship look like another one, or something like that? Do you well, know? Thing I would or say, some kind of frigates and things. Yeah, the thing I would say is, when they build these things, they're likely prefabricated, so they'll put bits together and then mm-hmm. they'll stick them in, so they'll pre-build the bits and tow them in place. Uh, so they are likely to be fairly similar in in layout. Yeah. I think just simply because of the way they build them, um, which would mean they're samey. In regarding prop gen, uh, many years ago, there was a game called Hellgate London. I remember that. That was great. That tried to use procedural generation to go in between the underground stations. Yeah. Um, but 
it all looked the same and sometimes the proxy end wouldn't be quite right so you'd think hang on when you'd end up with scenarios a bit like the great big oh um monolith that we've got in elite dangerous and things like that yeah so in terms of in quotes realism they're likely to be prefabricated so they will look the same and norman's telling us to have a look at mcdonald's and yes i will agree you go to a McDonald's or a Tesco's, and it might not be identical, but you can pretty much always guarantee it's going to be fairly damn similar. Right, quickly, Souverine. Uh, I think that, yeah, as, as Norman says, that they they are going to be prefab anyway. They, these are these are in prefab structures. Um, I think that players are a lot more. I think I think players are a lot more comfortable with proc gen than we're giving them credit for. The entire game is proc gen. Every station we visit is proc gen. It doesn't it, it, that doesn't detract from the thrill I have of docking every time. Um, the um, I think that proc gen is stands or falls based on the breadth of breadth and quality of its art art assets and the complexity of its um, of its rules. Um, there is no reason that the that the entirety of the sixty thousand stations in Elite Dangerous couldn't be populated with um, plausible station interiors based on procedural generations and a wide enough palette of um, of assets. And yes, game dev is hard, but they've had bloody seven years at it. So you know why the hell shouldn't those things exist? Yeah, um, I mean from the Twitch chat we've had Commander Miggles. I mean he he would like to see an office for each faction on the station with the ability for player factions to show their logo and flag for themselves. Um, they just a private bar where your greeting is defined by your relationship. Um, <laughs> that, I mean, that, that would be lovely. Um, I mean, yeah, the game, the game has solid roots for that. that. That's the way that visiting stations works now, basically. Yeah. Um, well, just a final word on, um, on uh, the GTA 5 comparison. Um, the, oh, the, map, the, the cities in GTA 5, all the houses... They are they're just blocks. You can't you can't interact with them. You can't go into them except for a few. You can go into a few houses, you can go into ones that you own, and you can go into certain houses for missions. But um but the whether you can interact with a house or whether whether you can interact with a building or not largely depends on whether you've uh, whether I A you've bought it or B you're doing a mission that concerns it. There's there's no there's no reason that um the elite couldn't function in a similar way there's no reason that they couldn't let us explore the entirety of a coriolis but of course you can't walk into every building because you can't do that in real life but you know if you're doing a mission to steal a certain data chip it could be that they make that they, they make a certain house interactive for that mission i mean that's the way that the um that's the way that the uh, the planetary scan missions work now uh, they populate a planet with a um with a little settlement for the duration of that mi- mission Ironically, Sue, what you've just described is how the missions worked in a in a little uh, little subscribed MMO called The Matrix Online. Ah. Uh, basically, uh, in that game, they had the entire of the the mega city where the Matrix was set, which everybody believed was whichever town they were born in, uh, and you could walk around the entire place and walk around the the ground floor. Or, or the the floor plan of every single building in that city, uh, the, but you couldn't actually go into any of the rooms except for the ones that you were on missions to. Yeah, because basically you're going to lock the doors. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I, there, there are ways to do it. I, I think that I think that it would be it would be the, the good thing about um, the good thing about 
make giving players a certain label in an MMO is that you have an excuse to treat them differently. But one of the challenges with Star Citizen, and this is what I've learned through writing about it, is that um, uh, the players players in, in that game and and a couple of other MMOs don't don't uh, occupy a, a given societal niche. They are just citizens or or civilians or, or whatever. In Elite Dangerous, we have the convenient label of being Pilots Federation members, which has certain ramifications. It, it, it's quite a smart move from for game designers to um, to delineate their player base as such, because it means you do have an excuse in law to treat them differently. Um, Pilots Federation members, you know, it's not talked about enough, but but according to the game's law, when you look back at the, the 2013 dev diaries, Pilots Federation members are viewed as as unreliable outlaws um who are who who you know can't be held to account and um and have too much power and freedom um and they're, they're, they're gypsy scum yes precisely precisely that so actually if if fronted so i guess the crux of my point is letting us explore the entirety of stations is possible and it has and it has several examples from games that are actually pretty old now um of you know examples how to do it well um but even if they don't do that there is law justification for cordoning us off to a certain part of the station yeah well I think um, I think we've covered all we can on this for the moment. I mean, it'll be interesting. Well, we're only probably going to get one image or one snippet of, of footage, but um, it'll be probably be enough to fire off the imagination of uh, several uh, for several shows <laughs> from this one little snippet. Um, <clears throat> so, what we'll do is. Let's move on to the uh, community corner. Um, first up, we have the um, uh, Primetime Casual Needs You on Saturday the 19th at um, 1500 UTC on HR 6164 ABC. Um, he will be filming the new trailer for Speedball 4. For this, um, for this filming, he will need PC pilots who are willing to sacrifice an hour or two of hurling their ships towards a planet and also making it look good. So if you, th- if you think you know, you've got what it takes and want your ship to be in an official video for the most anticipated high adrenaline event of the year, then secure your spot in, in Speedball history. Uh, the fleet carrier uh, MZH-B3Z Lillo Break is available as a shuttle. It will be departing from 61 Virginius at uh, 1420 UTC on the day of filming and then return there as soon as the shouting is over. Um, send him a, a PM and he will set you up. You um, need this is the Buckyball Racing Club, yes? Mm-hmm. No, it's not, no, it's not Buckyball, it's Speedball. I'm sure it's not the Buckyball. And Alec, I, I thought Alex Turner doing all this. <sighs> I don't. I don't want. I don't want another speedball, buckyball argument going on because <laughs> not only do we look silly, we get both of them hating us. <laughs> Alex, too nice. He couldn't hate us. Well, you see, the problem is whenever you're involving anything that involves speed, it seems we've now got a new verb, which is to buckyball. Mm-hmm. What's <laughs> a speedball? No, no. Well. Every time someone's mentioned speed, it's always been to buckyball. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it was just me then. Um, so um, send primetime casual a PM. He'll set you up. Um, it's any ship, any paint job. There is no level of skill required. No speedball experience required. What you get is an hour of fun, showing off your ship, 
and your name in the credits. Um, please be aware you will be flying low and fast in a high G environment and probably will need a rebuy or two on purpose. I'd actually say that buckyballing is a specific thing. Buckyballing means to travel through uh, large swathes of the galaxy very, very quickly with the implication mm-hmm. that it means inter-system. Um, so, but, you know, jumping through lots of, um, lots of different systems. Um, speed bowling is, uh, means to fall extremely quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd argue that, the, that buckyball in particular has a very specific meaning in the Elite Dangerous community. Yeah. Um, in other news, uh, there is a new voice attack, voice, pla- uh, voice pack from HCS Voice Packs. Um, it's voiced by Ellen Pyer, who is a renowned physicist and photographer who has worked on NASA's Cassini mission for Saturn, dark matter research, and particle accelerator technologies at UCLA. Um, she's hoping to bring a lot more accurate scientific knowledge to your than your average voice pack. And it's um, Crusoe is the new one. Uh, and we'll also include her uh, website so you can see both her photography and some of the uh, research that she's been doing uh, in highly advanced physics fields. So um, as we've almost come to the show, I, I do normally ask if there is any other business from uh, from the group. So just quickly. I, I actually have something, yes. Yep. Uh, tomorrow evening at half past five, on Paige's uh, Twitch channel, that uh, Arthrimus. 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 I can't say Paige's gaming name correctly. I know it's a combination. Me too. It's a a combination of Arthritis and Artemis. Ah. Which is a great way of getting a name. I think it's an absolute fabulous way of picking a name. I just can't say the darn thing. Uh, But... Tomorrow, Paige is going to be playing Gang Beasts with Gang Beasts developers. Oh, that'll be interesting. Nice. Yeah. So that'll be awesome and a lot of fun. Um, and that's at half past five tomorrow evening, UK time. Excellent. Um, well, I do have one other little bit of business, which um, is, a, is off topic completely. Well, kind of. Now, has anybody seen the latest Star Wars Squadrons CGI shot? That's oh, gone? my God! Well, I was actually going to ask what you think of it, but obviously Ben's just done something I don't want to look at. So... Oh, pass the tissues. <laughs> has, has anybody else seen it apart from me and Ben? I haven't um, yet. I'm going to I, I'm gonna have to seek it out. I, I haven't, but Ben's reaction is just kind of stuck in my brain now and put me off it. <laughs> well, you see, there is a bit, there is a bit of a callback here because I'll explain what I mean. Uh, is it had it was this Star Wars short has is actually nothing to do with the gameplay, um, although you will see maneuvers in the short that that you can do in the gameplay in in the upcoming game. Um, but it has been rendered by Lucasfilm. Uh, Industrial Light and Magic themselves, so it's it's proper Star Wars quality um, rendering, if you like, and basically involves what happens when a, a an Imperial Star fighter pilot is 
left marooned by his uh, Star Destroyer. And the main point that I wanted to make was there was no showing there of any proper gameplay and everybody's gushing over it. But when an Elite Dangerous did the same thing, where they tried to compress all the different game game elements they could into its its production its launch trailer, everybody just slammed it. That's uh, because it's Star Wars. Is 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 it the Star Wars pass? I don't think it is. I think I actually think it is the story. The short story that it told was so mm-hmm. compelling that you didn't care it was for a video game. It was like a mini Star Wars thing. Mm. Um, and they, I don't know about you, Colin, but I was rooting for the imp. Also, Frontier do not have uh, a track record in producing some of the most loved science fiction films of all time. True. True. <laughs> Very true. But um, it, it just, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I am really stoked for Star Wars Squadrons because. Yeah, anybody who's played the old X-Wing games and the TIE Fighter games in the 90s wants something like that, which is one of the reasons why a lot of us like Elite Dangerous. But um, it it just got me the fact that, you know, Elite Dangerous did something similar, with the, you know, and we had a lot of detractors just saying, oh, but the game's not like that. Just like the other Star Wars games, The Old Republic, they showed fantastic trailers, but the game is nothing like that either. Yet they seem to get away with it. I wouldn't worry about that, to be honest. Um, and also, Lucasfilm did actually take a lot of time and effort to render the interiors of the X-Wing and the TIE Fighter the same as they are in the game. Because uh, if you look at the interior of the X-Wing, for example, it's not your standard X-Wing interior from a film. Mm. Um, it mirrors what we have in game. So the were and they also have some ships that are all the ships that are in the game are in there. Um, now you can do the drifting, for example, that we can do in the game. Um, obviously, it's it's not a gameplay trailer, mm-hmm. but there are things that you do in the game that aren't normally done in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, that made it into the trailer. Yes, yeah, so I don't know if you'll be able to in the game splash somebody with water. Well, I doubt you'll even get atmospheric planets. Yes, uh, but, but it was uh, awesome that you. It was awesome that it was there, and I love the way he killed the uh, killed the rebel scum at the end. That was excellent. Oh, I was. I. It's not rebel. He's new republic. They changed it. Oh yeah, you <laughs> rebel scum. And uh, I am Rebel Scum, and I'm proud to be Rebel Scum. <laughs> anyway, I can I can see us having to have a bit of a yeah. talk about uh, this. Karamba's giving us into trouble for spoilers. It's only seven minutes long, and we're getting done for spoilers. Oh, dear. Anyway. Oh, sorry, just another other tangent. You cannot spoil a trailer. My God. <laughs> Fucking hell! This, Jesus, this, we, we, we've, we've collectively. Is this, this is the first time I've, I've I've voiced this, which has been brewing in the back of my cortex for a couple of years now. We have collectively, hang on, as a culture, hang on, hang on, gone soon, insane soon, soon. about this. You need whole to get on your first. I, <laughs> I'm metaphorically on it. We have collect as a culture. We've gone completely bloody nuts about this concept of spoilers. You cannot spoil a trailer for fuck's sake. <laughs> 
Yeah, but the trailer can spoil the film. That is true, yes. That is <laughs> we, we, we so, therefore, by deduction, if the trailer can spoil the film, you can get a trailer spoiler. <laughs> He's right. You, you lot are spoiling my evening. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you don't have any spoiled bread. <laughs> oh. uh, you're just going to seed, then. <laughs> one thing, one thing that is for sure: the Star Wars movie will make them a lot of dough. Oh yeah. Oh, he's managed to tie them both together. He's yeah. managed to that. That's that. Is, that is a slow clap. That that is definitely a slow clap. I think we've also actually got another piece of exciting, non-elite, dangerous news to mention. Okay. That, uh, so you guys like the Expanse, yeah? Yes. Yes, with qualifiers. With qualifiers, okay. Well, James S.A. Corey are doing an event tomorrow with Orbit to talk about Book Nine with some quote-unquote exciting news. Um, Is that exciting that normal people say, or Frontier Development's exciting? I suspect it's probably closer to Frontier Development exciting, but what I suspect we'll probably get is a release date and maybe even a book title and or cover for the final book of of The Expanse. And nice. that's bloody exciting. Nice. If you mm. like The Expanse. If you don't like The Expanse, it's probably shit. Mm. <laughs> if you actively hate The Expanse and you, and, you, and you hope that it does badly, then this is obviously terrible news for you. No. Well, exactly. But you might want to go off and do... Uh, I was going to say J.R.R. Tolkien. No. Um, George R.R. R. Martin on, on The Expanse. Mm. Right. Well, um, we'll we'll leave that that stuff alone. Um, again, anybody else want to bring something up? Finally, before I do the shoutouts, uh, we are releasing issue six of Cosmonaut on Friday. Um, we're actually actually releasing issue six of Cosmonaut and issue thirteen of Parallel Worlds. Um, the the release dates for both magazines are now on the same day to save me uh, less hassle. Um, and that's um, for the other game, isn't it? Yeah, yes, it is. Yeah, that's the Star Citizen magazine, um, and uh, it is—it's an exciting issue because we—it's um, the first one that we've made that, where we don't actually review any spaceships at all. We actually have very little content that that concerns spaceships, and actually nothing that concerns flyable spaceships in the um, in uh, the playable game at present. Um, so, uh, and, and and as as is um as is common it's the best issue we've ever made um because in the first year or so it's a um a pleasant process of constant positive iteration um and uh, and i'm absolutely thrilled with the progress we've made um so if you like spaceships uh then definitely hop over to www.cosmonautmagazine.com to pick up uh issue six of cosmonaut and you can and you can download our archive there as well issues one through six um and um uh, issue 13 of Parallel Worlds is uh, is launching as well, but that is no longer free. Um, and uh, and you can get that from our website, which is parallelworlds.uk, I think, from memory. Excellent. Um, right. We'll give off, give out, rather, our shout-outs. So number one, of as they always are, our sister station, Hutton Orbital Radio. It broadcasts on a Thursday at 8.30 British summertime. Uh, and you can tune in at tv.forthemog.com or if you just want the audio at radio.forthemog.com. 
For the discerning commander who likes a good bit of CQC action, check out the CQC Discord at discord.me slash CQC, which is all one word. Feel free to get murdered by Musketeer, who seems to be on a killing spree at the moment, even though he is already CQC elite. Actually, I don't know how many people are CQC elite. I've got a horrible feeling he might be the only one. Oh, there's quite a few people on Ara who are CQC elite. I'm not sure how many of them still play or do CQC, though. Yeah. Oh, that that's a, that's the thing. It's, they're, they're like rocking horse poop. Uh, um, for those who are interested, there will be a new top shift uh, coming out this Thursday. I'm in the editing process now. So um, if you want to see me um, demonstrate how not to rescue people from a burning station, that's where you go. Um, so we'd like to also chat, um, thank all those who have chipped in on the Twitch chat, the Facebook chat, the uh, Discord chat, uh, and of course the YouTube chat, because we've managed to get it all all sorted. That's amazing stuff. That really, we really are impressed. And thank you for all for joining us this evening. Um, but that is it for another episode of Live Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at laveradio.com, hit us up at facebook.com slash laveradio, tweet us at laveradio. You can join our Discord server by going to discord.io slash laveradio. We also have a TeamSpeak server where commanders come out, uh, come to hang out and chat, which you can find at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Do get in touch if you've got any questions or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss in a future episode. Live Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at 8.30 British Summertime and streamed out at laveradio.com slash live. So thanks to Souverain, thanks to uh, Commander Edler Weiss, and thanks to Commander Shan. And special thanks to today's uh, tech specialist, Commander Ventura. But until next time, Commanders, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous. to uh, scientists, Uranus is full of methane gas. I think you're right though, Colin. What have you done with Shan, and when can we have him back?
Galnet News Digest, 15th of September, 3306. We read the news so you don't have to. In our roundup of this week's news, she could have been Emperor. It wasn't Thargoids, say Imperial Spooks. Brewing up some upgrades. Who murdered Jasmina Halsey? Malik explains orbiting SRV. She could have been Emperor. Following the death of her father at the hands of terrorists yesterday, Princess Ashling Duval is left bereft in the knowledge that had it not been for her father's dissolute lifestyle, she would now be the Emperor. Ashling's grandfather, Hengist Duval, disowned Harold in late 3300, declaring him to be not of sound mind and unfit to rule. It seems that drink, gambling and frequent visits to brothels were the real cause of Hengist's dissatisfaction, plus quite possibly his renewed interest in his old lover, Florence Lavigny. It wasn't until Harold was out of the running that Hengist's illegitimate daughter with Florence Lavigny, Arissa, popped up and pointed out that as she was older than Ashling, she was now first in line to the throne. Much more recently, of course, Hadrian Janssen, now calling himself Hadrian Duval, has also popped up to say he has even more right to the throne than Arissa. But it was Arissa who claimed the title when Hadrian was murdered by a henchman of Senator Denton Petraeus in 3301. Had Hengist not disowned him, Harold would have been emperor. And following his murder, Ashling, as his only identifiable progeny, would this week have become the new emperor. It's bad enough losing your father, but losing the empire as well is just too bad. The neo-Marlinist Republican terrorists who killed Harold seem to have been going for the softer targets in the Duval dynasty, leading to speculation in some quarters that they might actually be working for the Emperor herself, tidying up some of the more troublesome elements of the extended Duval family. It wasn't Thargoids, say Imperial Spooks. The Imperial Internal Security Service is insisting that the four Imperial stations damaged last Thursday by what had all the hallmarks of Thargoid weapons were in fact attacked by a provincial terrorist group demanding an end to Imperial rule. The Neo-Marlinists take their name from Marlin Duval, who declared Achenars independent from the Federation in 2292. Marlin died in an apparent shuttle accident four years later and was succeeded by her brother Hansen, who replaced Marlin's Republic with an empire, declaring himself the first emperor. Marlinists, who come primarily from the outer fringes of empire space, want to return to the original republican values of Achenar. The Republic lasted four years, while the empire has lasted more than a thousand years, so perhaps the Neo-Marlinist Liberation Army, which is the terrorist wing of the Marlinist movement, are getting a bit impatient. The IISS says it has reason to believe the NMLA has managed to procure Thargoid weapon technology, although it seems likely that the weapons in use were relatively primitive. 
The four damaged stations include Mackenzie Relay, the transit point for Princess Ashing Duval when she ventures out from her opulent palace on the planet of Emerald, the very station Prince Harold would normally have passed through when visiting his daughter. It is not yet clear whether the NMLA has specifically targeted Princess Ashling's branch of the family. Brewing up some upgrades. Brewer Corporation, manufacturer of starports and fleet carriers, plans to create a few more starports to make things easier for owners of its fleet carriers. Recognising that many refineries are outposts with limited docking options, Brewer has proposed upgrading some of these outposts to full-size starports to make the necessary chore of tritium transfer that little bit easier. Details are limited at this stage, but Pilots Federation members are hopeful they may be invited to procure materials for the upgrades. Who murdered Jasmina Halsey? On the morning of 26th of May 3301, dignitaries from the Saga system expressed their annoyance that Federal President Jasmina Halsey had failed to turn up at a scheduled meeting. They were initially told that Halsey had decided to make an unplanned detour. At 3pm that day, Acting President Felicia Winters made an emergency broadcast to the nation. Starship One, the President's official vessel, had gone missing. It was later confirmed that it had disintegrated while in hyperspace, with little chance of any survivors. Only a week later, the Federal Navy issued a report saying that the loss of Starship One was due to an entirely accidental disintegration of the frameshift drive and that there was absolutely no point in looking for suspicious circumstances. That same day, 2nd of June 3301, President Halsey was elected to replace Jasmina Halsey as Federal President. Somewhat inexplicably, in January 3302, President Hudson ordered a search for the wreckage of Starship One. This may have been motivated by another organisation, the Duartu Jetcoms PLC, suddenly becoming interested in investigating the circumstances of the accident. The search eventually resulted in the recovery of ex-President Halsey's escape capsule. She was successfully revived, but her personality appeared to have changed radically. No longer the calculating, ruthless president, she now appeared to be a wide-eyed child of the universe. She pottered off to the Alliance and now advises Prime Minister Mahan on Feng Shui and Dreamcatchers. Now, more than five years later, a second and possibly more rigorous inquiry, convened specifically to hear new testimony from several as-yet-unnamed members of the Federal Navy, has concluded that the loss of Starship One was not, after all, a terrible accident, but that it was deliberately sabotaged. There can have been only one motive, clearing the path for President Hudson to become the new Federal President. The Federal Intelligence Agency has been informed arrests are said to be imminent. Malik explains orbiting SRV. Stunt pilot and scientist Commander Malik VR had to explain to his breakdown service why his SRV had become stuck in space following an incident on Friday. In his own words, Commander Malik jumped his SRV off a moon and got stuck in orbit. 
When asked to explain how this unfortunate stranding had come about, Commander Malik obliged with a diagram. The unfortunate commander has now been rescued, but officials are concerned that he may not necessarily have learned his lesson. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News. We read the news so you don't have to. Get all sorts here. Smells like it too. Mirth, horrible stains, marigolds. Butch Moth! There you go. Donkey Dick. It says here. Next. My dear man. Cox. Like an obese child. No. Teabag. What's that? What's It's the 34th century. What's that? Patient. Nadder. Sounds majestic because it is, Michelle. This. It's beyond Dockers. Beyond Dockers, a mockumentary podcast available at bs-dockers.com. Also on iTunes. Hey all.